0: we are listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, let's dive right in because we have got a long way to go. Um, I've got my Red Bull here, so maybe we get done within an hour. Because um, there's just there's just a little bit to talk about today. Uh, we've been going through the Book of Genesis. And I want to start off with a little bit of a review real fast. Uh, so we talked about the context that we're looking at the book of Genesis in through the, the viewers of the, um, the Hebrews coming out of Egypt, these liberated liberated slaves that they're sitting there and they're hearing this story for the first time, and what this is going to mean to them. and uh, trying to look at this look at this Genesis 1 through11 with fresh ears, fresh eyes. Um, maybe see this in some ways that we haven't seen before. And so uh, in Genesis 1, Rob talked about creation and God speaking this into existence, and then the, the creation of man. And at the center of that story was a couple of things. One was rest, and the second was tov meod, which was very good. God says that creation is very good. And so when I think of Genesis 1, I remember tov mayot. I remember very good. Like this is just, if, if I'm spark noting it in my brain, it's like God creates everything. He takes a break. He says, it's good. It's very good. And he just rests in that. Ne- next, we came to Genesis 2, chapter 2. Uh, we, it kind of zooms in on the story of Adam and then the creation of Eve. Uh, and so we get this story of Adam with uh, the animals because he's looking for his suitable helper. Right, so we get Adam looking for his suitable helper in Genesis chapter two, and uh, that uh, that that story right there is to tell us that we are not animals. It's it's telling Adam when he's going through and naming these animals. It's reminding him. It's teaching him that he is separate from this. He's above these animals. He's different. God has put His image into him. You carry the image of God, and you have this ability to say enough, maybe. Okay, and then we get to Genesis 3, and things take a little bit of a turn, a little bit of a turn. We talked about this last week. Rob did an excellent job with this, um, and we, we had the tree over here on the side, which I felt left out because I didn't really have anything cool to put up, so I just figured I'd put up my Bob Ross poster with happy trees, because why not? And you can look at that as much as you want, <laughs> except for Rob. Rob, don't look at Bob Ross. Anyway, um, He's sitting right in front of it. For those of you on the recording, it's going to be real tough. But anyway, so don't look in the direction of the tree. Focus on God, right? So Eve had made the tree the center of her garden instead of all of this other stuff that God had provided for her. Um, so focus on God and what he's provided for you. And one more time for everybody in the back, we're not animals. Like this is another theme in that story. We are separate from creation. The snake is an animal, and it's tempting Eve, and Eve gives in to this desire, which might or might not hint hint it does play into today's story. Because um, today we're in Genesis four, the story of Cain and Abel, which most of us probably have heard. Uh, it's pretty common in our culture to at least use know who these characters are. Cain was the first murderer. So, what I want us to listen for while we're hearing this story today, while you're listening to this while you're reading this, what similarities do you hear in this story, Genesis 1 through 16, is what we're going to go through, compared to the previous three? Be listening listening for common themes, common reoccurrences, things that might be pointing back to those stories as we go through this. So let's dive into the text. Now, Adam knew that Eve, his wife, Knew Eve, his wife, in the biblical sense, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground, a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, and of their fat portions, the good stuff. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, the Lord did not have any regard. He had no regard for this. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. He was downcast. He was depressed. And God said to Cain, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So Cain spoke to his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Where is he? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? I imagine it's like, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Like, that's how I would have said it for sure. (laughs) For sure. I it's not my, I'm not taking care of him. Right? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And you are now cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. This is too much. Behold, you have driven me away from the ground and from your face, I will be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. (laughs) So just fun little side fact right at the end there. It's a little weird that he says he's going to be a wanderer, a fugitive on the earth. And then the first thing Cain does is he settles in a land, right? seems a little strange. The land of Nod, Nod actually means the land of wandering. So Cain ends up in this land, but he never actually gets to settle. He doesn't actually get to put down roots. Just fun fact that we miss in the English. So first off, what questions do you have from this story? What problems might have come up? Well, oh, that's a problem, Isaiah. You weren't listening? Oh, no. All right, so what 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 stuck out? What what's a little weird in this story? There's only two of them and there's obviously a lot more people on the earth. Okay. There's only two of them in the story and there's a lot more people on the earth probably. Not a not a bad assumption at this point. Okay? Anything else? What else stands out? Sticks out problems? You're like, huh? That doesn't make any sense. Desire was, a Desire was a problem. Okay. I'll tell you two problems that stand out to me. Two issues with this story that I'm like, huh? Make me pause for question. One, why did God like Abel's offering and not like Cain's? And related to that question, inside of that question is, why did Cain even bring an offering? God didn't ask for an offering. We'll get into that in a second. But this, this, why did God like this offering, but not this? Is he comparing the quality or the worth of the gifts? Like the, they bring these and God's like, uh, which one is better? Which one shall I choose? Uh, It's not actually the quality or worth. We'll get to this in a bit, but it's, it's more of the heart behind these gifts but that sounds it sounds a little weird because like Molly, if your if your kids brought you two two pictures, like Isaiah brings you a picture that he drew and Thea brings a picture that she drew, and would you sit there and judge which one is better? And then be like, um, well, obviously Alithia's is much better, so we'll put it up high on the fridge, but Isaiah's yours goes on the counter. Like it just wouldn't be good. That would be the reaction. Like, we understand Cain at this point. Like that makes sense that it would be bad parenting. Don't do that. If you're a parent, I'm not a parent. And I know that would be bad parenting. Here's your sign. Anyway, the betas are so safe. I, I love them all equally. Um, so then the, the second one that sticks out here is this sounds oddly similar. Why does this sound so similar to Genesis three? Okay. So if we throw up, I've got this comparison here. I've got some, some things that we throw up there. You got that slide, Anitra? Maybe? Yeah, there we go. Similarities. There's a couple similarities. Uh, I heard, I think Micaiah caught one of them. That made me excited. So in Genesis 3, God asks in the garden, where are you, Adam. And Rob talked about this where being a little strange. It's a little, it's more of like, where's this thing that I put? Like there was a cup there. I left a cup there. Where did it go? It wasn't my cup. Don't worry about that. Um, but like this cup was there. Where did it go? It's not where I put, it's not where I left it. It's the same where when he asks, where is your brother? Okay. So we got a similarity there. Hiding. Like, well, in the garden, Adam was hiding for a little bit from God. Uh, well Cain says in here, he says, uh, uh, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven me away from the ground and, f- and from your face, I shall be hidden. Okay. We got two parallels now, not doing too bad. Working the ground in the curse that we see in Genesis three, God says it's Adam's going to have to toil to get his sustenance from the soil. Right? He's going to have to toil from the soil. And, uh, in this one, Cain, who was a farmer and was toiling from the soil, he's going to have to toil from the soil, but ultimately he will be foiled. Yes. I worked on that so long. I was so excited for that. Toiled soil foiled. Yes. Like rhyming. Anyway, so working the ground is part of this, right? And then exile, right? In in Genesis three, they're booted out of the garden, right? This is part of the, the consequences of what they've done is they have to leave the garden and they have to settle somewhere else. They have to create this home somewhere else. Cain, the consequences of his actions are he is now put into exile. Even more so, he never gets to settle, okay? So we've got at least four. Uh, There's one more. We're not gonna talk about it really. We might talk about it in footnotes or you might just get to go look for it, but there is one more. It's it's a doozy. Go find the meaning of this. Hint, hint. Uh, There's some bait, I don't know. Here's the third, but maybe the most important question that we should ask is what's the point of this story? Like what is this story trying to teach us? <laughs> Good call. It's definitely something. Is it be like Abel, don't be like Cain? No. I would agree. Probably not that. Because Abel's like not he's not really that big of a character. He's just there. He gives this better offering and then he gets killed and then, you know, he, he's gone we don't really hear much about him. On the surface level, it might be jealousy. Okay. We could learn this is a story about jealousy or anger. Maybe lying. It's not good to lie. Cain lies in this like, he's not my brother's keeper. Right. Not murdering. That might be the obvious one. Like murder is bad. Okay. Uh, We could pull the, all of these from there, but ultimately this story is about Cain. We're supposed to understand him in this for some reason. God wants us to understand this character, this Cain, this Cain character, this, uh, this first, first offspring of Adam. So let's talk about Cain's name for a minute. Because in, in that culture, the name had a lot of meaning, okay? Your name defined who you were, what you did in your life in a lot of ways, So when we look at these biblical names, it gives us hints as to what this person is really about at their core. Now, when Eve gives birth to Cain, she says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Cain's name literally translates into, I have acquired or acquired, right? It's derived from this. Eve is partnering with God. She's saying, I partnered with God to acquire this child. Okay. Now acquire is an odd term to use. It's in in the ESV here, it says gotten, which is meh, kind of okay, but acquire is a better translation of that. Uh, it's an odd term to use though. It implies ownership, right? Like if I say I have acquired some land, right? Or I have acquired a new car or there was something like I own it. I've got control over it somehow. Um, it's a little bit, little bit weird to say about like if for those of you that have had kids, you'd be like, "I have acquired a child." It'd be a little strange, right? Um, so there, there's something odd in this name. But Cain's life is going to be defined by this concept of acquire, of acquiring, of, of gaining, of creating. because like, part of this is excuse me, part of this is, Eve has created life with God. Like she is, she have the, the miracle of life. Like that's an incredibly complex system and it's astounding. And you we still can't come up with ways to reproduce that scientifically. It's pretty intense. Like this is a thing. She has created life from her, which is impressive. And she has acquired, like this is this creation and acquiring is all tied together here. Okay. And then what does Cain do for his profession? Cain chooses to become a farmer. Now, as a guy, I will never give birth to a child. It doesn't work that way. Um, but the closest thing that I could do, probably, to actually creating life in me would be farming, growing food from the ground, taking part of bringing to life something, right? And so this is, this is what we see with Cain. Cain uh, chooses to become a farmer. Working the land is established. It's a rooted job, pun very much intended. I think, of, uh, I think of my family farm back home. My, my grandpa's got a farm. It's been in the farm for a couple generations, right? And hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can keep it in the family for a couple generations, right? This is something that's passed down and we've acquired this land and we've, we've set roots. Like, I don't live there anymore, but that's still kind of always gonna be home, that farm where I can go back and hunt, right? Or go run around where I grew up. This, this concept of being a farmer, of working the land, it ties you down a little bit. It roots you. He's acquired, he's, he's gaining, and he's creating life from the soil with this by growing plants. But he's partnering with God because what does a farmer have to do? A farmer has to rely on God. Now, a little less so with irrigation now, but even then, if there's no water, you don't grow your crops. Like, if God doesn't provide the rain, you don't grow your crops. If God doesn't make those seeds germinate and that, all those systems work together, you don't grow your crops. Cain has to, he has to rely on God for this act of creation, this act of bringing life into the world. Just as a, a fun side note, Abel, his name means breath. Um, and you can dig into that, that name. It's a fun little word study and it might take you to Ecclesiastes when it's kind of this breath that is just fleeting. It just goes away. And really when you look at it, these two names are complete opposites. Abel is rooted, like I've acquired, I've accumulated and, and, or not Abel. Cain is acquired and rooted and gathering. And Abel on the other hand is like free Willie, which he becomes a shepherd and they just wander around all over the place. Right? Kind of makes sense. little fun. Cain is passionate about creating, though, and that's not bad. That's not good or bad. It just is. And he has to rely on God. Cain's name reveals this tragic flaw, though. Like, there's a tragic flaw in his name, if you think about it. But let's talk about the gift, okay? So one, why did Cain bring that gift in the first place? God didn't ask for it. It just says, in time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord, Right? Seems like a good thing to do, okay. I can think of a couple reasons where I might give somebody a gift. Um, I might give somebody a gift, let's, let's take Christmas for example. Who am I gonna choose to give gifts? Well, there's people that I really want to give a gift because I really wanna bless them with a gift, like they're important to me and I wanna, like I found the perfect thing for them and I just wanna give this to them, right? And I just, they, they want to get this, like, I want to give them this and surprise them with this. And then there's the people that I'm like, I'm, uh, I kind of have to give you a gift, right? You, you, you have those people where you're like, I feel kind of obligated to get you something like, and these are the people I'm like, so what's on your list, which is my least, personally, my least favorite kind of gift giving is looking at their list. I don't want to know what you want. I want to figure out what you need or don't, need or don't realize that you want. Like, that's how I want to give a gift because it means more, right? What if we look at these two gifts between Abel and Cain as this? Cain is giving God a gift just to placate him. Like, he's like, nah, I'm supposed to get him something off the list maybe because I don't want him to go away because I rely on him. So here's some fruit. Like, this is like me getting socks for Christmas. Socks are good, sure. Does that really speak to my soul? Maybe not so much. They, they, Faith, they speak to faith's soul. Socks right there. I socks, there you go. <laughs> oh, man. But on the other hand, Abel brings the best, the fat portions. He brings the best. He's like, this is a gift that is coming out of, like, I have been blessed, and I want to just, out of my gratitude, here is this, Right? These clue us into the motives of these gifts, the quality, where God tells us, well, it was some of what he gave, and then, and then over here, it's like, and he gave the best, right? The text implies that Cain's offering is out of some need to placate God. Abel is offering out of a true desire to give. There's a tension here of acknowledging who relies on who when you look at Cain and God and why he's giving this gift, okay? And this actually speaks back to Eve because there's there's some crazy Hebrew stuff and we're not gonna get into this today because we'd all try to fall asleep and I'm not an expert on this. I know enough to read it and understand kind of what's going on. But Eve, basically, when she's talking about acquiring this child with the help of God, there's a little bit of a tension implied in the text of like who's the senior partner in this relationship? Like is God the person who's really in charge or is or is Eve the one that really created with a little help from her friend, right? Like who's the senior and junior partner? And this plays down into Cain. Cuz how does like how does Cain view God, right? In this creation effort with farming? Like, is is God the senior partner or is Cain the senior partner? And and the gift might tell us a little bit of how Cain is viewing this, right? When I give gifts to my parents, I usually want to do a really, really good job. Partially because I'm competitive, I want to outdo my siblings. That might also apply to this story in a completely different manner, but that's not important. That's not important. But like, like my boss at work, Sorry, Rob, you're getting thrown under the bus. Like, I don't really expect my boss at work to give me a great gift for Christmas. Like, obviously, we have a little bit different relationship because we're really kind of good friends and stuff. So, but like when I worked at Macy's, did I expect anything from my manager? No, not really. Like, I might've got a $5 like Starbucks card or something, but that was a, we want to make you feel valued as an employee. Like, here's a, don't run away. So if they gave me some of what they had, to keep me around, that might be implying here with Cain, it's not a far leap to say Cain might have his organizational structure a little unaligned, maybe a little out of order. And then we see Cain get angry and downcast, right? Cain is trying to pin the blame on anyone except for himself, anyone except for himself, right? Because God didn't like my gift, of some of what I had, right? So he's going he's gonna to get mad. He's going to get angry and get downcast, depressed. Like, he's going to look down. Why is your face downcast? Side note, downcast, we usually think of God as being up. So that's maybe helpful in reading this story. <clears throat> and, and we know that God's not actually mad because the next question from God is this, Cain, why are you angry? Like in my mind, I go, dude, bro, why are you angry? Like, what's up? Right? Why, why are you depressed? Like what, what is going on? What, what, what did, what did I do to make you do this? What did anybody do? Like, why are you sitting in this? Right? <clears throat> and then in, in, verse seven, God says something really profound to Cain. This is, this is central to the story here. He says, if you do well, won't you be accepted? there's no condemnation here. When you, re- you read that phrase, if you do well, won't you be accepted? Like, it's not like, oh, you gave a bad gift and now I'm angry at you. No, he just had no regard for it. He was like, Abel's. this is great. Like, yep, yeah, well done, Abel. Well done, Abel, right? He just, he just doesn't have regard for it. It's just, it is what it is. But there's no condemnation here. God isn't viewing Cain any differently. If he gives a good gift, he says, if you do well, like if you just do, you just do well, that might mean giving a good offering, maybe realigning what we're, maybe if you just get yourself in the right alignment so that, you know, maybe you're putting me in the proper place. If you do well, won't you be accepted? Like, you're fine. Like we don't have to heal any relationship. You're, You're good. Just do it as well. Right. Uh, If he gives a good gift, one out of gratitude, instead of keep blessing me, then he can look up or be accepted. Totally fine. And God gives this warning. He says, but if you do not do well, if you cannot control your passion, in other words, like Cain, Cain has this. Which I, I think, okay, if, if I'm going to get myself like all in a tizzy about who's actually in charge, like I'm, I'm trying to accumulate power, I'm trying to accumulate worth, I'm trying to gain more and more and more and beef myself up, I'm trying to acquire, do we see what maybe his name has a downside too. If I If I can't control that passion to create, to acquire, then sin is crouching at the door. Cain, if you can't control this passion, which isn't bad unto itself, the passion to create, it's not bad, but out of control, it goes crazy. Might be an issue. If you can't control this, then you're going to do something that destroys relationship. Because when we think of sin, that's what sin really does it destroys relationship. Whether that's relationship between me and God, or whether that's relationship between me and other people, or both. Okay? When you look at the garden, it messed up their relationship with God. It, it, sep- it created some separation. right? It brought shame into this. And then they're going to avoid God. Like there, There's some messed up in the relationship. This is what sin does. He talks about this passion. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. You can take this passion and direct it in a positive direction. You can take this, Cain, you can take this thing that you have in you that's totally fine. And this is, we'll talk about this in footnotes, but this type of passion is incredibly strong. The passion that it is talking about, this desire in him is incredibly strong. Might be tied back actually to that story in Genesis 3 footnotes, but like, it's so overwhelming. This is like putting a V12 in a little geo. Could be, could be a good time. Like definitely could be a good time. It might also tear you apart, right? If, if I'm sitting in this car and I'm not controlling the steering wheel, it's gonna be an issue, right? That's gonna be a problem. If I'm trying to steer it by sitting on the engine, that car's gonna drive right off the cliff at some point. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna look like the Looney Tunes. You're welcome. <laughs> If you don't control this, cane, if you do not, if you do not rule over it, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. He says, like, he's implying he can. Like If you direct this thing positively, it'll be okay. If you just do well, things will be fine. But if you don't, if you do not do well, that implies there's three options here. Do well, do wrong, do nothing. Two of these options and badly. That's what this is implying here. And we know how the story ends with this. Cain lets his burning desire to create or acquire. Somehow this desire takes over. It's left unchecked. He goes and he talks with his brother. They go out in the field and then he kills him. And now there are consequences because we learned last week when things go, when you, when you depart from God's will in this, when sin enters in, there are consequences. We get these consequences, and they should remind us of the story. We talked about them a little bit in that list, but before we we look at the common failing between these two stories, because there's common consequences, so if the consequences are similar, that implies that the failing is similar, right? Like the punishment's going to match the action. It's pretty logical. Maybe before we talk about that, we remind ourselves of Genesis 2, where we learned we aren't animals. I think that applies to this story. I think that applies to three. I think that applies to pretty much the rest of the Bible, if you want to go that far. In both stories, there's a choice to act upon a desire. Eve has this desire to take from the tree. It was a very happy tree, apparently. But she wants to take from this tree. And she can't control that desire. She gives in to the desire. Cain has this desire to accumulate, to create, and he gives in to that desire. We root for the protagonist to exhibit self-control, say no, enough, which to say enough might take us back to Genesis 1. There's a thing. But showing self-control, this is something that animals don't have. When I throw food into my beta tanks, they don't sit there and go, hmm, Am I hungry? You know, I ate yesterday, and my fins are getting a little, hmm, I think I'm going to hold off. No, it's a feeding frenzy. In fact, sometimes they eat when they're not hungry, like the whole food, right? This ability to show self-control is completely different. Like, it's what separates us from the animals. And I think this ability to say enough is part of the image of God that we carry and i submit that these stories all of these stories are working together to show us how god wants us to partner with him god tells cain he says just do what is well and you'll be accepted i think he's telling cain like this is how you have relationship with me like you you have these passions You have these desires, and they're not wrong, and they might have gone absolutely crazy after the story in Genesis 3, but they're still not necessarily wrong, and we can still redeem this story, Cain. Do what is right. Do well. I think this is what God is saying. He wants us to partner with him, and he's explaining how we experience him. So we're going to go to communion here in a minute. So whoever's handing that out, uh, if you want to go back and grab the the elements and start passing that out, that'd be great. But this is where I want to land today, is this concept of partnering with God. So our big takeaway, the call to action, if you will, is whatever is getting in the way of you experiencing God, put it in its place. Put it in its place. Cain has this crazy strong desire to create, to acquire, to accumulate. And that is, it isn't bad. It's not bad. You have passions. You have desires. Rob talked about this last week when he said, you know, like he's got, he has this desire for sexual intimacy. In the context of his marriage, that's totally fine. That's a good desire. The passion itself is fine. Outside of that, destructive. It's a problem. If he can't control that desire, sin is crouching at his door. My desire to like be productive and work is totally fine. If I leave that unchecked and I give in and become a workaholic, which is all too real for me, Like, if I leave that unchecked, it's destructive to relationships in my life. Not just people, but with God. It goes bad when he leaves this desire unchecked. You have these desires, they're not wrong, but we have to decide to do what is well. We have to say, I'm going to actively pursue doing what is well. I can't just let it sit there, because if I just let it sit there, It's going to go wrong eventually. The Geo with the V12 is going to go off the cliff. That's my favorite analogy now. (laughs) But if I give him direction, that Geo is going to be a good time. I kind of want to do that. Can we get a V12, Brandon? Okay. (laughs) We can find one. (laughs) Just duct tape two V6s together. Is that how that works? (laughs) Uh, I'm obviously engine expert. (laughs) But if you do well, you will be accepted. Like that's... That's the focus here. We, it's the same as the tree in the garden, right? All of these are good to eat, all these happy little trees. That tree was bad. What did I look at 14 times last week? Stared at that stupid tree, right? We focus on the negative, but today I wanna focus on if we do well, we will be accepted. Whatever's getting in the way of me experiencing God, I need to put it in its place. I need to give it direction, so that I can experience him. I think we see this in communion, too. Jesus is inviting us to set aside our stuff, to come to the table, to experience God's grace through communion. This is a chance for us to align ourselves, to say, I'm going to do, do well. I'm going to do well. Like this, is, this is the direction I'm going to go. I'm going to focus on God and his provision for me. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he sitting with his disciples, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he said that this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. And then after the meal, Jesus took the cup, said, this is my blood, the new covenant poured out for many. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Just remember him. Lord, we come to you today thankful and in awe uh, that you would love us so much, that you would provide for us, that you would partner with us to carry out your will here on earth. Lord, I pray that we would take this story of Cain and we would take the warnings and the lessons that are contained within it. You would help us to see those passions, the desires that you've given us, and we would see how we can control them, how we can contain them, how we can put them in their place. And we are thankful for that. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.